You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 6. Then Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and proceed him to the other side toward Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And when he had taken leave of them, he went off to the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was far out on the sea, and he was alone on the shore. Then he saw that they were tossed about while rowing, for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. They had all seen him and were terrified. But at once he spoke with them, Take courage, I am. Do not be afraid. He got into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely astounded. They had not understood the incident of the loaves. On the contrary, their hearts were hardened. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Donald Wallenfang. A great joy to welcome you to this edition of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. St. John of the Cross, about the dark night of the soul. This phrase captures a lot of attention in popular imagination, the dark night of the soul, because all of us have had experiences of fear and being terrified, like we hear about the apostles on the boat in the storm. And we want to understand what's going on with all of this. How can we get through this dark night kind of experience. And more precisely, what does St. John of the Cross mean by the dark night? St. John of the Cross is a fascinating figure, a fascinating saint. He's a doctor of the church, one of the mystical doctors of the church. He was a discalced Carmelite friar, one of the first in the reform order of St. Teresa of Avila, called discalced, meaning shoeless, bare feet, without shoes, because it's symbolic of a very penitential, all-in kind of spiritual life, all or nothing. St. John the Cross is a great example of Carmelite spirituality, of the contemplative life. He was a persecuted man. He wrote mostly poetry and commentary on this poetry. 
not tons and tons of it, but some several groupings of poems. And some of this he composed in his mind, in his heart, when he was in prison, not in the local county city jail, but by fellow Carmelite friars. <laughs> in the year 1577, he was abducted by Carmelite friars of the observance, so they were concerned about this new reformed order that discalced Carmelites, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross. They're being persecuted a lot because not everyone was sure what was going on with this, this new reform order. So he's arrested by fellow Carmelite friars in Avila and brought to the Toledo Monastery Prison. And he would remain there for nine months in a six-by-ten-foot cell with no light except for a small slit high up in the wall. He suffered from repeated floggings, extreme weather conditions, fasting on bread and water, wearing the same clothes without them being washed, and had lice, too, because of all this. It was here, in this literally dark place, confined place, oppressive place, where he composed poetry in his mind and heart. And just to read the beginning stanza in the original Spanish with English translation here of his poem called uh, La Noche Oscura. La Noche Oscura, The Dark Night. En una noche obscura, con ansias en amores inflamada, o dichosa ventura, salí sin ser notada. Estando ya mi casa sosegada. One dark night, when love burned bright with yearning, I arose, O oh windfall of delight, and how I left, none knows. Dead to the world, my house in deep repose. So, this is one English translation of the Spanish. The dark night of the soul. And this is, he's reflecting in hindsight on his escape from prison. He eventually would escape from this prison cell and then would engage in fruitful, fruitful pastoral work uh, within the discalced Carmelite community of Spain. And later would compose a large, long commentary on these experiences, commenting on these poems called The Ascent of Mount Carmel. It's by far his longest single work, and the first part of two parts describing this experience of the dark night in the spiritual life. The second part is called itself the dark night. So we have the Ascent of Mount Carmel, part one, and the dark night, part two. In this podcast, I want to try to get at what St. John of the Cross means by the dark night concerning the spiritual life with just some reference to a few of his excerpts from the Ascent of Mount Carmel, and The Dark Night. So the first excerpt I want to feature from The Ascent of Mount Carmel, Book 1, Chapter 2, Paragraph 1. St. John says that we can offer three reasons for calling this journey toward God, toward union with God, a night. Three reasons. The first has to do with the point of departure because individuals must deprive themselves of their appetites for worldly possessions. 
This denial and privation is like a night for all one's senses. The second reason refers to the means or the road along which a person travels to this union. Now this road is faith, and for the intellect, faith is also like a dark night. The third reason pertains to the point of arrival, namely God. And God is also a dark night to the soul in this life. These three nights pass through a soul, or better, the soul passes through them in order to reach union with God. End of quote. So this is St. John of the Cross talking about why does he call this journey toward union with God a night? He says it has to do with the point of departure, the means or the road along which a person travels to this union, second. And third, it pertains to the point of arrival. So where we've come from, where we are, and where we're going, past, present, and future. This is how he understands it to be a night. So let's talk about each of these three points. The point of departure we must deprive ourselves of our appetites for worldly possessions. This kind of phrase sounds rather cliche within Christian discourse, but it's so true and honestly, I think, safe to say we struggle with this every day. We are attracted to worldly possessions, worldly goods, household goods, places to live, homes, uh, transportation, how to move from here and there, nice vehicles, nice clothes, having money, doing things we enjoy, seeking out entertainment, good food and drink, all of these things. If I asked you, would you like a million dollars? I think everyone says, yes, please, right away. Um, let's invest that and make more. But worldly possessions tend to be an obstacle for the soul toward union with God. It's not to deny the goodness of the good things God has made, but it is necessary to order them rightly within all of our relationships with God, with other people, our self-understanding. Worldly possessions get in the way. So we have to go through this process of purification and detachment of all of our disordered appetites and affections concerning worldly possessions. If we see worldly possessions as, as a light, as something that gives us a kind of worldly orientation, we have to detach from them and it becomes a darkness. It's hard to lean on anything if he's saying we can't lean on any worldly possessions here and route toward union with God. It involves at the extreme a denial and privation, he says, of all these goods attached through one's senses. My seeing, my hearing, my taste, touch, smell, everything that connects me to uh, the physical world, uh, all that glitters and glows and is attractive, has to be put to sleep. This is why it's called a night. Obviously, we still have to live in the world, but this putting to sleep is a matter of the will, especially that I'm not attached, that I'm not addicted to these worldly goods, that I don't desire them in a disordered way, that, in other words, they're not idols in my life. So, in other words, between the icon of faith 
in the idolatry of all these worldly possessions, I must choose. And I can't have both, in a sense, at least not at first. I have to choose God and only God and become perfectly detached from all worldly possessions. This is why it's called the dark night. So this dark night doesn't refer to just some difficult time in life, although these difficult times can be related to the process of purification and penance, moving toward union with God. But the dark night has to do with the method within vocal prayer, prayer of meditation, prayer of contemplation that's gradual, where I am purified in order to be illuminated by the things of God in the end to be united with God. So the second reason St. John says it's called a dark night has to do with the road that I traveled to this union with God. He says again, the road is faith. And for the intellect, for human reason, faith is also like a dark night because faith has to do with knowledge that is beyond what my rational capacities can achieve on their own. Faith is a gift from God and it, and it is bound to God's revelation. God's revelation is the most certain kind of knowledge that comes through faith. So, for example, that God exists, I have to make an act of faith to say, yes, I believe that God exists, even if all of the proofs are on reason's side. Yes, it makes sense that God exists for all these things. We think of St. Thomas Aquinas talking about these ways of understanding and verifying the existence of God. But ultimately, it has to do the ascent of my will because it has to do with not only an act of some ob uh, objective act of knowledge, but a relational act of knowledge. Not only does God exist, but I understand myself, therefore, to be in relation with this God. This is an act of faith and not just something that I can do through common sense reason or even very intellectually rigorous reason. There's a point at which reason can't go any farther on its own, and we need knowledge through faith to go further. As we read in the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen with the senses. So it's a dark night, this route to union with God through this theological virtue of faith as well as hope and love that St. John talks about further, but beginning with this act of faith. Then the third reason, again, he says this is a dark night because it has to do with the point of arrival. Where am I going? God. And when we see it, say God, what do we mean by God? What do we understand by God? We can't say this with any sense of completion. As St. Augustine says again in the famous line, if you comprehend it, it is not God. Which means everything I comprehend is not God. Which means God is incomprehensible. Therefore, God is like a night. A night to my soul in this life. So St. Paul says in Acts of the Apostles, we grope for God. We grope for God in this dark night of faith. That's how it works. So we should not expect all of a sudden God 
to be so crystal clear to the soul in every way. Even for the mystics, there's always a groping for God. Even when we have this unmatchable certainty that God exists, that God has revealed himself to us, that God loves me, that God gave up his life for me, that God offers me the gift of salvation. Yes, I'm certain of this more than anything else in this life. This is why I like to be a theology professor because I can teach with this greatest certainty. When I try to teach about other things, even mathematics, natural sciences, anything else, roadmaps, I, I don't feel the same sense of certainty. I could tell somebody about a technique or about an equation or about some scientific discovery, but all these things in comparison with the direct light of faith, which is paradoxical because it's also happening within a dark night, all these other things are partial and provisional. They have a, degrees of uncertainty about them. But through the negative certainty of faith, to quote Jean-Luc Marion, Catholic philosopher, the negative certainties of faith is the highest form of certainty because the knowledge comes directly from God. And it's a very interior one given to the soul from the inside out, we could say. So just a couple more points from St. John of the Cross talking about the dark night of the soul. He talks about love in this context in his work called The Dark Night, Book 1, Chapter 4. Love, he says, love derived from sensuality terminates in sensuality, and the love that is of the Spirit terminates in the Spirit of God and brings it increase. So this love derives from, from sensuality, terminates in sensuality, and we find the movement of decrease there. Ultimately, something that terminates in sensuality comes and goes, vanishes before our eyes, does not grant permanence. But the Spirit of God and a love that comes through the Spirit brings increase. He goes on to say, when the soul enters the dark night, all these loves are placed in reasonable order. All these loves, various loves for various goods. I love pizza. I love my home. I love my wife, Megan. I love my children. I love my job. I love God. All of these loves are placed in reasonable order when I, my soul enters the dark night. This night strengthens and purifies the love that is of God and takes away and destroys the other, all these sensual kind of loves. But in the beginning, it causes the soul to lose sight of them both. So this is the difficulty about the dark night of the soul. St. John of the Cross actually talks about two nights within the one dark night of the soul. The night of sense, number one, and the night of spirit, number two. There's a darkness for both my senses in relation to the exterior world and a darkness concerning the spiritual core of my being, my soul, within the interior castle seeking God. And both are necessary so that 
my relationship with God is purified to the highest degree. So that my relationship with God is about God and I. Not any good things God gives on the side of God. I want God. I want God alone. The gospel artist Kirk Franklin has a beautiful song. Um, and I, I forget the exact title. But the lyrics are, I don't want to love nobody but you. I don't want to love nobody but you. It's a beautiful song. So if you Google this, you can find um, the title. And maybe I'll put a link in the description of the podcast too. But it's, it's this idea that the love of God is absolute. And everything else is meant to be related to that. And not get in the way of this movement toward union with God. In the beginning, this faith, this entry into the dark night of the soul causes the soul to lose sight both of the love that is of God and the love derived from sensuality. So this is scary. This is why a lot of, of saints talk about their struggle sometimes when they're in this dark night to know if God really loves them because all feeling, all sentimentality is stripped away in the process so that faith can be purified to the highest degree and achieve its best work. So I don't believe in God because of the spiritual good, goods, God, goods God gives me. I don't believe in God because of the material goods God gives me. I believe in God because God is truth, because God is being itself, because God is love. And I don't believe in God because of anything on the side of God. Finally, just a couple more lines. St. John of the Cross, in his work, The Dark Knight, Book 2, Chapter 9, says that the soul must first be set in emptiness and poverty of spirit and purged of every natural support, consolation and apprehension, earthly and heavenly. Thus empty, it is truly poor in spirit and stripped of the old self, and thereby able to live that new and blessed life, which is the state of union with God attained by means of this night. So in other words, there's, there's no other way to union with God except through the dark night of the soul, either now or later. It's the whole doctrine of purgatory is, is, is related to this too, that we have to become perfectly purified to be perfectly united with God. If we want to be perfectly united to the uncreated light of divinity, the uncreated light of God, we have to pass through the, the purifying fires that we also would call this dark night. We have to move into a setting, a lifestyle, a extensive experience of being set in emptiness and poverty of spirit. He says, purged of every natural support, consolation, apprehension, both earthly and heavenly. The Greek word here is kenosis, we read in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, about Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be robbed, but rather he emptied himself, coming, uniting the divine nature to the human nature as a servant, 
giving up himself to the point of death, death on the cross. So we have to take on this cruciform way of life with our Savior to become empty, truly poor in spirit, stripped of the old self. Even if we think we've gone through this conversion already and we're on the other side of it, we're not. That's the point. No matter how much we've undergone conversion, there's still more to go in this life. It still can be more radical. Our discipleship, our way of following Jesus, he wants it to be even more and more radical until there's nothing else we're leaning on except him alone. Soren Kierkegaard, a Danish philosopher of the late 19th century, talks about faith like sitting on, laying on a plank in the middle of the ocean. We're, we're being supported by, by God alone, nothing else. It's an act of incredible surrender. And God wants us to be purified in order to have this abundance of life. But the night is necessary. Whenever the gospel is proclaimed, it always involves first a call to repentance, a call to surrender, a call to self-denial, a call to renunciation, to renounce everything that is not God, to renounce it precisely as that. I renounce this pretending that something that is a creature or created is God. I renounce that because it's not true. Going back to the rite of baptism begins with the renunciation do you reject Satan and all his works and all his empty promises? So the dark night begins here and is sustained by this renunciation. It's sustained by this self-denial. To enter this first dark night of sense in order to move to the dark night of spirit, we have to, as St. John of the Cross says, study the life of Christ. Try to imitate him in everything. We need to do everything and desire everything we desire for the glory of God. We need to become perfectly detached from all worldly possessions. We have to be willing to give it all up. And it's most on display when that actually happens, literally, when a person takes vows through the Evangelical Councils of Poverty, Chastity, and Obedience. Most of the canonized saints did this, lived this kind of way, St. John of the Cross being one of them. Those of us who are lay people, married people, have families, have to deal with all these worldly goods, but we have to do so very loosely so that they don't become idols in our lives. This is St. John of the Cross this concept of the dark night of the soul. You can visit myinteriorcastle.com for, uh, I have a mini course on there called The Dark Night and features a three-part video commentary with a lot more passages from St. John of the Cross to understand this better. So I invite you to check that out. Check out the texts of St. John of the Cross directly. I'll put links to those in this podcast description. So thank you for joining me on this edition of the Catholic Fragments podcast. And I'll just end with this last quote of St. John of the Cross. He says it best himself. 
There is another reason the soul walks securely in these darknesses. It advances by suffering. Suffering is a surer and even more advantageous road than that of joy and action. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast, where you are equipped to think toward the whole, to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness.